As here we are at the Car 3 Athletics Weekly Podcast, as it's that time, guys. Time to break down the Whippeo football playoffs once again. Is this time now? It's semifinal because we're one week away from Thanksgiving and the five-game and two-day magic at Heinz Field. But we got to get there first, so we're going to break down all the semifinal games that are set for tomorrow night, Friday, November 19th. A talk, of course, talk about the Whippeo 6-8 championship, which is Saturday night in Norwin between... Malibo and Central Catholic, the crown, the, the first of six Whippeo football champs this fall. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about the City League teams. There's two teams are still alive in their respective state brackets. As Friday night, amidst everything, Couple Steam is going to be busy. As Couple Steam will have a little double, a little Piedra Blade doubleheader this weekend. As tomorrow night, Alderdice, who are the city champs, because they're the only 6A size city team. They will host McDowell, who won the D10 title over Butler a week ago. And of course, this is the regional final there for districts 8 through 10, meaning that the winner they advance into the state quarterfinals, and they'll play the Whippeo champ in the 6A bracket next weekend. So this game, also McDowell, they have a, I mean they have a couple they have, they use two different quarterbacks, one throws, the other one runs. They like the, I mean it's kind of a mix of two styles, Alderdice. Coming off, I mean, they've had a couple weeks to rest and just prepare after claiming the city title and denying West Hampton a three-peat. And I think the other side point about the Dragons is their defense. And I think the defense have the shine when the rest will finally come out of this game. And, and I honestly think it would pick the upset. I think Alderdice at home is going to find a way to squeak out. It's going to be a surprisingly low-scoring game and move on. And then Saturday at 1 o'clock in the two-way bracket, same situation there. Westinghouse will take on the D10 champs, Farrell. And I like the Bulldogs. Westinghouse finds a way to win, kind of like cardiac calf mode a week ago over Winbird to move on. Farrell took care of his business, blowing out Wilmington, who kind of was on top of D10 the last couple of years. And in this case, I think Westinghouse, Keyshawn Marcel is a special player. They're a special team. They kind of got relocked in after losing the city title game a couple of weeks ago. So I think the Bulldogs... Find a way to grind out a low score and funky type of game to move on as well in those brackets. As of course the same of course as the winner of that game will move on to the, the two way state quarterfinals, which will be against another team on the side of the bracket as course the Whitfield champs in classes one A through five it will be crowned next weekend and then those te- and those champs will move on into the state semifinals that weekend in December, so kinda of touch base there. But now what's gonna really matter is we're gonna focus on the Whitfield playoffs and the semifinals as well as we'll start small to big so class 1a semifinals as every kicks at seven o'clock tomorrow night as I was also wondering as everything's at a neutral site so we'll get that out there as the matchups as as obviously the craziest bracket to this point as you have number nine our lady of the sacred heart taking on rochester at north hills well, then you have two versus three, Cornell battling Bishop Kahneman at Montour. As, so let's take a look. As, as Kahneman goes out with an 11-1 record, as as this program has been on the upturn the last couple of years, and coming into this season, it was definitely a team to be on the rise and watch out for, and they've done everything that's right, and, and they've really been good throughout the year. Kind of an overlooked at times, but they've been good. As of course, Kahneman, they're one one away from returning to Hines, trying to add a second crown to the one they got in 1990. On the other hand, Cornell, who's one of the smallest ones. They got the co-op with Nazareth Prep for football. 
shout out to Nazareth Prep. There's also Cornell, a, a program that didn't even exist all of, I think it was six, seven years ago. They shut it down for a while. They've brought it back in the last, I think this is the six years since they've returned the program. Of course, Cornell made the run with this, with the strong senior class two years ago. They had a little bit of rebuilding last year. Now this year, nine wins, big seven conference champs, and one went away from getting to Heinz for the first time ever. As a question, I mean, looking at the playoffs, I mean, Canavan, the only loss came to Claritin this year, which is no shame that. And they played Claritin tough on the other side of it. The Crusaders, it's been about defense. I mean, since I mean, since that loss, they've only they had they've I mean they're allowing under four points a game. They've had three straight. I mean, they had three shots to close the regular season. You know, and, and this and this um and this Crusader team, they have a lot of guys that that can do it. I mean, what do you mean by that? Well, you look at I mean, Lasse Lacks has been a big play guy all season long, whether it's in the returns, a little bit on defense, but mainly it's the receivers. He's tops the Whippeal. 38 catches, 743 yards, 12 touchdowns. And he's got 55 yards rushing. He's averaging over 9 yards a carry, 19.5 yards a catch. Plus, is him in the return game just is awesome. And then Xavier Nelson, who's the top defensive back on the team, arg- I mean, arguably the biggest college prospect they have, but also a darn good receiver. He's I mean, he's coming in 31 catches, 676 yards. He's also run for 160 yards. He's got 11 touchdowns, but 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 El- but Nelson. Just under 23 yards of carry, and it's and it's under 22 yards of catch. So talk about game breakers. And then you, Jane Lindsay, adding his 14 and a half yard per catch average. You know, I mean, and then running the ball, Marquise Carter, Jason Cross, combined have over a thousand yards. Health healthy averages. Keyshawn Harris has added just under 300 yards running the ball. So you really have guys that can really just pound it in and all take their turns. And then Cross is taking over the quarterback role this year, throwing for over thirteen hundred yards, sixteen touchdowns of four picks. So and Cross has really emerged as a leader of this team and he's I mean he and he's played great football, especially up late when it's mattered in crunch time. So you but the uh, this Canadian team again though the defense, I mean you kind of look at them and forget about how good the defense has been and it's been a consistent week by week basis. They're allowing under seven points a game for the year, but the last six they're not allowing under four. On the other side of it, Cornell, who won the Big Seven, you know, I mean, the only lost conference play came to Olsh in Week Nine by one point. Cornell, Cornell scores twenty-eight a game, allows twelve. And and you look at this Raiders team, and you know, I mean, it's honestly, you know. At times looked at as the two-man shot-off between Raquan, Raquan Troutman and Timothy Henderson, who are, again, two game-breakers and two phenomenal athletes, two phenomenal players. But I think the key for this team is Sincere Kimbrough. I mean, because he transferred from Brashear, he took over the quarterback role, and he's really kind of, I mean, he's emerged. He's quietly had a really good season. As Kimbrough is just, as he's, he's over 900 yards passing, 10 touchdowns, 6 picks. He's had over 300 yards rushing with 7 scores. And then the duo of Henderson and Troutman, I mean, Timmy's got over 400 yards rushing. He leads the team with 17 catches for 459 yards. He's got 12 touchdowns. I mean, he's averaging 10 and a half a carry, 27 yards a catch. And then Troutman, just 10 grabs for 150 yards, not bad. But he leads the team 885 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns. He's averaging 12 and a half a carry. And again, both these guys are dangerous for Troutman. Both are good secondary players. And then Javon Newton's 
eight catches for 172 yards because that would be 21 and a half a catch. He's got a touchdown. And then Shamar Wilson's been huge in the secondary as well. With a little bit on offense. And then E.J. Dawson kind of moves all over the place on offense, but is also big in the front seven on defense. So, Cornell, don't don't overlook them either because, I mean, you know, Cornell has been, I mean, it's been a run heavy offense, but again, you got the two game breakers that can do it. So you look at this matchup, and honestly, I think it's a case of both teams, I think, don't get enough credit for how good a defense they have. But at the same time, both these offenses have game breakers. But at the end of the day, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Cornell. This is why, because out of the semifinals, the Big Seven is three of those teams. So, I'd, so I think it's fair to say the Big Seven is slightly better, the better conference this year. And it, will, and it was kind of a gauntlet throughout the back half of the season. Let alone you break it down, the Raiders. They just keep on winning games, and and you have, in my opinion, Canavan. I think is the deeper team, and I think collectively maybe the better team on paper. But I think Cornell's playing a little bit better football. They've been more battle-tested this year. And I just think that Timmy Henderson and Trapman are the best two players on the field. And I think having those two athletes is going to give Cayman enough trouble. And I think Cornell, barring turnovers, is going to be able to break the game. You know, And again, in this game, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I do think we're going to see both offenses kind of take over and go off like they have shown at times this year. So I'm going to say Cornell wins this game something like 32-28, and they find a way to pull it out. But this could be one of the best games of the night. The other semifinal, Rochester and Olsh, a big seven rivalry renewed. Of course, Olsh has struggled recently in this matchup. You know, and even this year, Rochester won on the road to win 34-7. As the Rams, they said they had the, they had the banged-up 16-0 loss to Union. Since then, though, they've won... I mean, they, they've won seven out of eight games, with the exception being a, a 14-7 loss to Cornell. I mean, the playoffs—they've I mean they've only given up seven points. They've been—I mean—they've dominated these playoff games. And how do the Rams do it? Well, they like to pound the rock. That's what's gone in there. Looking at it, Saliori has just under 1,100 yards rushing. He's averaging—he's also averaging 18 and a half on 10 catches. Has 21 touchdowns to lead the team. And then you kind of have Denny Robinson, who's been banged up this year. Antonio Lore, who's kind of taken over as that second back in the round attack. J.D. Azule's been nice at quarterback. He's actually done a nice job throwing the balls. They've done that a little bit more this season. I mean, Mullins is nice, nice 16 catches, 252 yards. Got himself five touchdowns. Of course, the secondary is absolutely loaded on this Ram defense. And for them, it's going to be ground. It's basically going to be ground and pound. And the key for the Chargers is defensively. You can't give up the big play through the air or on the ground. And then offensively, Azim, their quarterback for Olsh, over 1,500 yards passing, 11 touchdowns. As he's not really scoring, but he's got six rushing scores as well. Stephen Greer leads the team with over 600 yards rushing, seven scores. And then, But then the thing for Olsh that's been overlooked, they actually have a, a quietly have kind of a four-man receiving core led by Dorian Tate, but then Dar- Darren Greer... Ethan Garner, Ziggy McIntosh, and Ziggy was big last week over Clariton. Those four have all been solid receivers. You know? And then the other side, and then Brandon Brazell, he's been nice to kind of do them both, a little bit of running and catching. And then B.J. Vaughn's really kind of come on to have some big runs this time to help the offense. But then Olsh, it's kind of like 1-11, it's also been, 
you know, a stingy unit on defense at times this season, too. I mean, Olshka does go 17 and a half a game. You know, they do some, you know, they have tightened it up because takeaways shoot at over Union and the, and the blowout to Rochester. I mean, they, they only have given, I mean, they have given up um, 47 points in the close regular season, Horning Corner just 12, and then in the playoffs, you know, they scored 29 answer to be Clariton last week. So, I think the fact that the Chargers showed that fight to come back at Clariton, overcoming a 15 nothing hole to win that game, and just the way they dominated, I mean, they had a second half shutout. In doing so, says a lot about this Chargers team. And in a way, I mean, like I said, oh, you, you contained Cornell and beat them to close the regular season. And then in the playoffs, you took you take care of your business. You know, you, you took care of a, a wounded GCC team, and then you fight back to beat Clariton. You know, and you look at these things. I mean, Rochester. You know, is trying to win its first title since '04. Of course, they made the finals in 2018, losing. Well, the other side, Olsh, you know, they they beat Rochester in that 2018 title game. But, of course, since then, the Chargers have been up and down, and it's been Rochester on the edge. So, so, so again, Olsh trying to get back and get back on track and doing so. And, but for Rochester, the big thing is Denny Robinson is returning for the game tomorrow night. So that's going to be a huge lift for the Rams' offense. And then Ziggy McIntosh, big year for the Chargers, 44 catches, 534 yards, five touchdowns. Of course, he was huge. That's coming now. And then, uh, so now you kind of get to it. So Rochester, Olsh, oh, because also the Chargers running high after the comeback, upset win at Clareton. The threw one into a little bit of tizzy. Rochester's getting their stud, Denny Robinson, back to join Sally Ori in the backfield. Of course, these two men, 2018 for the title, Olsh won that game, and they dominated it. Couple years later, we are in a semifinal game with again the trip a return trip at sake. The Chargers, that 2018 title is the only one in school history. Well, of course, it was the only time they made the Whippeo final. Of course, Rochester trying to make it a 15th final, trying to add a ninth title. Of course, they haven't done that. They haven't won one in quite some time though. So what do you got? This one's hard. Of course, the Rams only allow eight points a game. That's something that's been overlooked. And honestly, I think it's going to be Rochester. Because you look at this game, Olsh, they're coming in red hot. They're, they're coming with house money, you could say. But Rochester dominated the regular season meeting. And like I said, the Ram defense only allowing 8 points a game. I'm going to say it again. Rochester defense allowing 8 points a game on the season. Which needs to be highlighted, especially. Again, you get Denny Robinson back into your lineup. And then the fact that the the fact that Salieri is leading things, his brother Antonio is picked up nicely. So you kind of have a th- three-headed monster there. And defensively, you have Azuli and, and Mullins and Leroy who have been great among the whole unit. And you look at it, they only lost to Cornell 14-7. And since the Rams four straight wins, they've given up. I mean, they've given up 29 points, 13 of those last three games. So I think this the fact that Diaz is there, they expected to be here. Olsh. You know, they've turned around there and they're getting hot, but I think it's just a case of Rochester seems to have Olsh's number. They're getting a lift from Denny back. Their defense is, I think, better. And Ziggy McIntosh is going to cause some issues. And Azim, I think, will make some plays with his arm. And Olsh does have a lot of time. they got plenty of guys, but I just think Rochester, the defense will make the difference. The run game will pound out, second half wear it down. I think they'll pull away in the final corner and have to win this game by two scores. And now we go to Class 2A, so semifinal action here. 
semifinals is top seed. Is it first of all the two A bracket and the five runs are probably the most complete in terms of just every matchup and how it could break down. But also the semifinals. Honestly, again, I think I mean honestly the semifinals. I think we have a really good lineup tomorrow night amongst all five classes. But look at this one. Talk about the firepower here. You've top seed undefeated Allegheny Seven champs Steel Valley taking on the defending Whippeal champs. Beaver Falls, the five seed. That'll be at Dormont Stadium. And then the other semifinal held at South Fayette. Will be two seed undefeated. Three Rivers champ Star Hawks. Taking on six seed Sarah Catholic. So one more key ask for is the firepower is there in both matchups. Of course, we'll start with Steel Valley Beaver Falls. As, of course, the headline, the unfortunate is that the Whippeals leading rusher and scorer, Najee Burt, season over with broken ankle. So prayers to him for a speedy recovery. And just a shame that that's how it ends as he finishes his senior year. 2,044 rushing yards, 35 touchdowns, also on six catches, 67 yards. So the question is, for the Ironman, who steps up, who takes over the lead? And sophomore Karan Pierce is going to be the guy that's going to be the lead ball carrier in his place. Of course, he hasn't got many carries this year, just over 100 yards. And one touchdown on 16 carries. But uh, but he has started at middle linebacker a lot. Saucy and intelligent football player and a guy that's going to be a bruiser. But really, but really he's going to rely on the shoulders. Um, I'm looking at three guys. Primarily, Cruz Brookins, a quarterback who took over last week. You know when Bert, when when Jay Bird went out and he did a great job. As he was in over a thousand yards rushing on the year. He's throwing for over 300 yards. Totaled 19 touchdowns. He's going to carry the load. But then they're going to have to rely on him to make some more plays with his arms. Something they haven't asked a lot of him this year, but I think they're going to have to. They're going to hang in this game. As Nazir Burt, Jay's brother, eight catches, 121 yards on the year, run for 125. He's got himself two scores. I think he's going to. Don't be surprised if he's involved in the run game in some way or fashion. But he's also the big playmaker at the top. As Jay Sean Ryan, another, another guy, leads the defense. Good, 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 gets some touches in both passing and the run game. As the Ironman got banged up in this in the quarters pretty bad. So now you are see two way where they're not big schools, so a lot of two way players, so injuries really take a toll. So it's a matter of the Ironman. It's I mean, no question, no doubt, the heart, the fire and I, I definitely think a little bit of why us what the heck added motivation will be coming out of them. And again, they're undefeated, they're conch champs and they're the top seed, so this team is not going to give up. They're not going to quit. And certainly you'd be foolish to count them out in this game based on all those things. But again, a lot to deal with, especially with all the stuff that came out this week about some, you know, horrible intentions and just very disgusting actions that may have took place in their quarterfinal win by their opponent, Southside. So also the Whitfield's investigating that. So there's just been a lot of emotion this week for Steel Valley coming into this game. And you know they're going to be fired up and there's going to be some added firepower, like I said, to this one. But they get the defending champs, Beaver Falls, who've been on tear since the rough start, do a very rough first three games of the season. But, of course, the Tigers, they, I mean, they've reinvented themselves, and it's been the passing game this year that's really just been beautiful. I mean, Jerry Brickner, nearly 2,400 yards in the air, 24 touchdowns, 8 picks. He's added 373 yards on the ground with 6 scores. Then you look at the aerial attack. I mean, you got I mean, you got four guys that are featured. I mean, Trey Singleton leads the team, 38 catches, 823 yards. 
and he's got himself 11 touchdowns, and he's topping the whip you on those. Makai Clark, 31 grabs, 637 yards, 8 touchdowns. Kadir Thomas, 22 catches for 400 yards, 9 scores. Singleton's also, and then both these Singleton and Thomas have over 100 yards rushing too. And then Tyler Kennedy, who's the star on the front seven on defense, also had 16 catches for 383 yards, and he's got himself five touchdowns. And then Isaiah Ashbacher, who's taken over as the lead back, and he's had a very nice season, 744 yards rushing, also just about seven yards a catch on 14 of him. He's got 12 touchdowns. You know, and then, and then and as kind of look at there's a bunch of other guys who just pitch like. Corey Brandenburg, um, Brandon Myers, etc. And then, of course, the Tiger defense up front. They got some big boys in that line that don't get talked about enough that are very good, too. So, you look at this matchup, beat or falls. He was only giving up 15.7 points a game, and you take away the rest of the start, that's even lower, which is good. They're scoring just under 37 a game. I mean, even, I mean, like I said, if Steel goes at full strength, 100%, this was still going to be a coin flip and be a heck of a game. So I don't want to discredit Beaver Falls saying, oh, Steel Valley's missing their best player, which I mean they are, and obviously that's a huge, huge difference and a huge, huge loss and changes it. But I think if Steel Valley was fully healthy, this would be literally a coin flip. I think also with the injuries, Beaver Falls has got to be a touchdown favorite in this game. I see Beaver Falls just, and again, Steel Valley, they're, I mean, they're going to fight. They're going to be in this game. This is not going to be a blowout. But I think second half, Brickner in the past game is going to kind of get control. They're going to be able to wear out a shorthand Steel Valley team. I just think not having Jay Bird out there is going to hurt the run attack. For two, and then a team that doesn't throw much, you know, if they fall behind, they're going to be in trouble trying to get back into the game. I just think Beer Falls has too much firepower and offense, too much versatility. I think they're going to, they're going to, I mean, I think it's going to be a back and forth game early on. I expect Brookins and Nazir Burt to make some plays and to kind of carry the load for a while. But I think second half, Brookner and his arm, along with all the, all the guys they got are going to take over, spread it out, take control of the game, and pull away and lose them by like 10, 14 points. But I think it's going to be a lot closer than the score indicates at the end. But I'm going to go Beer Falls get back to the title game. So then look at the heavyweight fight. Sturrock's taking on Sarah Kalik, and I say heavyweight because we've all wanted to see these two rematch. Of course, they met in last year's semis as the Vikings won that one 49-38. And honestly... I mean, that game ahead right there is, what, 87 points? I don't think we'll see 87 points tomorrow, but I do think we're going to see a game that ends up turning into the mid-high 50s, maybe 60-point totals. And it's ironic because these are two of the best defenses in Class 2A. As the Vikings will have given up just under 6 points a game, Eagles are allowing 8.5 a, a game, including an impressive shutout last week of 6-0 over Laurel War again. Laurel drove in the final minutes, had a chance for them out of the Eagle defense, denied them to secure the win. So a very impressive performance. In the last two weeks, I picked against the Eagles. It didn't work out. So do is it? So what do we do it again? We'll get there. As you look at this, and you look at it, is both defenses are phenomenal, but at the same time, I think both offenses are superior, and I do think this is going to be, again, a shootout not as high as last year. I do think it's going to be a shit's going to be just back and forth non-stop. And you look at the matchup for Starhawks. Josh Jenkins, just under 1,500 yards passing, 21 touchdowns. He's running for over 200 yards. 
and six scores. Then you look at the receivers for Starrocks. Terry Booth leads the team in receiving. Zay Davis is right behind him. Those two combined 59 catches. Oh, uh, combined for 1,200 yards receiving. Jay Montgomery Miller, 22 grabs, over five, just about 550 yards. Trevon Miller, also 18 grabs, just under 400 yards. You know, I mean, and those guys, touchdown-wise, Davis is 11, Miller Ross is 8, Green Miller is 7, Booth only is 2, and then Diego Ellis, not used a whole lot on offense, but he's a big return man, good in the secondary, as all these guys play in the secondary and star at it. And, and then you have Jamar Pearson, over 1,300 yards rushing. He's done a little bit in the past game. He leads the team with 21 touchdowns. Just absolute firepower, you know. For and of course, then you've Austin Jones, who's a senior who can contribute as if you know play quarterback as well. So the Vikings, what's not to like? Of course, trying to get back to the tie game after the tough loss to Beer Falls a year ago. As a win, it's kind of better redemption run for them. Plus, they had a motivation on being the number two seed despite being top ranked all year. And look at that. Of course, the crazy thing for Starhawks. Trying to get back to the title game for the third straight year, but they've lost the last two. And for Starhawks' history, for the Lord's history that they have, they've only won two titles and they haven't gone since the 19, late 1980s. And the other side of Sarah Catholic has only been the title game twice, but both times they've won it, as the last one coming in 07. So, it's, so again, Sarah Catholic is a, re- a, bit of a, a bit of way of redemption on trying to avenge last year's loss to Starhawks, let alone this year. You know, try and gain that, keep that respect, and and then they bounce back from, you know, the, the ugly loss in their case, the Steel Valley they had, and then at the end of the regular season. You know, you take a look at Sarah Catholic's numbers. Max Rock, who's a three-year starter, has been great this year. Just about 1,700 yards in the, just about 1,700 yards in the air, 23 touchdowns. Doesn't really do a whole lot with his legs. Um. Scrambling wise, but then receiving, I mean, again, you have Terrell Booth leading the team, 38 catches, almost 800 yards, 13 touchdowns. He's got over 100 yards rushing. Javon Campbell, it's a big play guy, 29 grabs, 562 yards, 174 yards rushing. He has 10 touchdowns. Amir Spencer's had a nice year, 19 catches, over 300 yards, and he's got himself two scores. Farrell Fisher is a start defense back. Doesn't get a whole use a whole lot on offense, but he's got eight over eight eight yards a carry, sixteen and a half a catch on eight of them, six touchdowns. Zach Weber's had a nice little season catching in. And then Makai Brooks Detroit leads the team, eight hundred and twenty yards rushing, adds nine yards and eight catches, five touchdowns for him. And the Vikings tend to go for two a, a decent bit. You know, kicking games off the best. Well Bendel Rosso does Provide a nice kicking edge for Sarah Calix so if they need it, it is there. And then all these guys by two is two, of course. Paul Pearson's been a phenomenal three year starter for the Eagles. He powers the front seven. So, you know, and again, all these guys play two in the secondary as well. So, in a way, it's like you look at the defenses, you know, and it, and it makes sense that they're both really good statistically. So, and on paper, you're thinking we had it last year, these two teams like to light it up and move quickly. We should see a lot of points this year, and honestly, I do think we do see a lot of points. You know, Starhawks, they're averaging 45.5 a game. Sarah Catholic, with the exception of last week's 6-0 win and being held to 7 points in the loss to Steel Valley, is scoring just under 30 a game. 
Both defenses are very good, and these teams are very evenly matched. Plays a very similar style. I just think Steel. I'm sorry. I just think Starhawks has a little chip not being the one seed, and they have the hunger to get back for a third straight title game. And I just think um, Starhawks just a little more there. But Sarah Catholic, I picked them. To, I, they proved me wrong two weeks in a row. I owe them an apology, but also it's been out of motivation. So you know it's a positive, right? So I'm gonna pick Starhawks to win this game. So Sarah Calic, maybe thank me if you guys come out winners. But at the end, of the day, this is gonna be. Uh, I still think it's gonna be a high-scoring game. It's gonna see between 54 and 60 some points scored in total. I think it's gonna come down to, to again the final possession. And I'm gonna say this: Starhawks has cruised pretty much all season. They've they've really had not much of any trouble. Sarah Calic, they won a dogfight over Laurel, which I was very impressed with their defense last week. I just how they gritted out and they and they pulled it out late to get the win. They've also been bruised at time, you know, against Steel Valley, you know, and then, but now that they haven't had much trouble. But I, so I do think if it is nitty gritty, that experience of a week ago on the road could help Sarah if Edge this one out. But I do think Starhawks wins. I'm gonna say Vikings take this game. I'm gonna say it's gonna end up being 38-32. So I guess that's 70 points, but oh well. Now let's jump to Class 3A, where 3A was, it was, I mean, you know, not, not really many surprises at this point. I was looking at Class 3 of the semifinals, as West Allegheny hosts the game as top seed, two-time defending Whitfield champs, the defending 3A state champs, 23-game winning streak that's live. Central Valley takes on Elizabeth Ford in a title game rematch from a year ago. Other side of the bracket, and it's a matchup with the Warriors again. Other side of the bracket, Fox Chapel hosts... 2C North Calic versus 3C Avonworth. So Central Valley, Elizabeth Ford, we're going to jump into that one. Of course, the Warriors, heavy favorites and should be. I mean, they've won 23 straight games overall. They, they're 11-0 this year, 9 wins via Mercy Rule. And, I mean, just listen to this number, which is insane. Central Valley, honestly undefeated this year. They've, they're averaging a Whippeal best 47.4 points a game. They are allowing 6.9 a game. I mean, they're beating people by 40 points a night. Absolutely insane to do for an entire season. And, of course, also the two guys that get a lot of credit that have been phenomenal for three years, and now this is their team truly on offense. Leighton Alexander, who's rushed for 1,524 yards. He also got 56 yards on just four catches. 25 touchdowns to his name. Highlight after highlight after highlight. Absolutely phenomenal. Guy needs more college looks. And then you got Sean Fitzsimmons who's going to Pitt this year. Oh, just no biggie. 37 tackles for loss, 15 sacks. Just kind of quietly going about his business, which is insane. He hasn't been talked about every week more because he's an absolute beast. But the Warrior team is so much more than those two, and these two are fin- both phenomenal players. But around them, they got a lot because Matt Merritt, third year quarterback, got hurt. I mean, stars as a linebacker all along. And that allowed Antoine Johnson to take over at quarterback. And since he's done well, he's gotten better each week. Over 950 yards passing, 15 touchdowns. A little bit with his legs. You know, to add four more scores over 150 yards. But then, I mean, but then also, Brefford Simmons, the young, Sean's younger brother, has done a nice job being the number two guy in the backfield. And then Javen Thompson, Denaira Simpson... When they've needed to be, have made plays in the passing game. Coach Javon Thompson, 538 yards and eight scores on 22 catches. Denarius Simpson, oh, just averaging 
29 and a half yards a catch. He's got nine catches for 266 yards and five scores. Absolutely insane. If you, I mean, who's surprised, right? And of course, the defense is loaded. Obviously, because these guys play two ways: Thompson and Simpson. Jack Bible plays next to Merritt, you know, in the linebacking core. Obviously, Fitzsimmons powers the front seven. I mean, it's just, it's just, just absolutely amazing. But Elizabeth Ford, talk about the motivation. I mean, your chance. So, you know, avenge last year's title game loss and to really make a statement doing so. Of course, this Warriors team, they're no slouches. They're 9-2 interstate champs. They score 31.5 a game. They allow 7.5. You know, and, and they, they, I mean, and they're a good, deep football team. They really are. And Zion White's a special player, taking over the lead in the office this year, throwing for 970 yards. He's run for 207. Um, he's totaled 21 touchdowns. Charlie Nigut is a tiny freshman, but he's a darn good ball player. He's fun to watch. He's got, you know, he's run for 190, caught seven passes for 177. He's thrown a 29-yard touchdown pass. He's got six touchdowns. I talk about a little lining rod, and me, and I mean, and us here at CTA, we're not big guys either, so we like that. But Zach Boyd leads the team in the secondary, leads them in receiving, 22 catches, 527 yards, 16 touchdowns. Kyle Flournoy, Devontae Brownfield, a nice two-hand monster in the backfield combined for almost 900 rushing yards both average over six carry combined for 14 touchdowns johnny di napoli three touchdowns of the year 215 yards rushing but of course if needed he could be a quarterback as well as just an athlete so and then EFC defense again deep and solid so this is i mean so so everything for based on what happened in last year's title game based on how central valley is so dominant yeah, I mean, you'd be foolish to pick them not to win. You'd be foolish to pick them not to win by at least two scores. But I'm going to say this. I do think Central Valley wins this game by between 14 and 17 points. But I'm going to say EF hangs around, maybe even strikes first. You know, this game is within reach by the half. But I think in the second half, Landon Alexander's going to bust a couple big runs. You will have the Central Valley defense come up to take away. They'll pull away and win this game. Flipping over to the other semifinal, North Catholic and Avonworth. This one's going to be interesting. Like, really interesting. Because North Catholic jumped out to the lead over KO last week, only to see the Eagles light up on offense and tie the game in the, with about seven minutes to go. And then the North Catholic, of course, flexed its muscles, got the go-ahead touchdown, got the stop that they needed it, pulled out the 48-41 win. Avonworth in their hand. They, I mean... Ian Sion by himself put the game away in, in less than two quarters. You heard me right, and they cruised. So it's a matter of it's. It, this is a. I mean, this is going to be a neck and neck fight. As Aberworth comes in, of course, two years removed from winning the Whitfield title in two A and making the state final. And of course, then a year ago, they made history, but for not the reason they wanted to, having the best one percentage and not make the Whitfield playoffs of all time. Of course, this year, other than Lost Central Valley, they've been nothing like short of great. Nate Harper leads them, dual threat quarterback. Oh, not really, I guess. I mean, he's, he's able to move, but he doesn't really scramble much. You know, but it's all about the ground game. Ian Syme had a phenomenal quarterfinal performance in less than a half, which is insane. And for the year, he is well over, I want to say he's well over 1,400 yards rushing. Don't know the exact number, unfortunately, but um, he's all over that. Of course, North Catholic on the other side of, I mean, the Trojans. As a question for them is, 
can get over the hurdle finally. As Dante Jeremiah, of course, the Antelopes, in addition to, as also Ian Sion, pace of the offense. Harper's going to make plays with his arm in this game. Peyton Faulkner's his top receiver. Neil Miller, Tosh Hilarious around them. But then that, but then that Lopes defense, which Faulkner leads in the front. Neil Miller's in the back in the secondary with Sion. I mean, you have Brandon Bigarelli, um, Luke Hilliard, who are two beasts in the front seven. Gus Nielsen's nice in the secondary. I mean, so... The Avalo- I mean, the Antelopes, they are for real. Of course, North Catholic, they have the bigger-name players. They get more attention. But this is a very even fight. For the Trojans, the last couple of years, they've taken care of the conference. They've got to the semis. But then they've stumbled, and they haven't, get, they haven't been able to get over that hurdle. And again, you almost saw them give it away last week against the good KO team. But they almost let it up. So this week, you have Avalo, who's coming in and feeling really good about themselves. Who again, these kids when they were sophomores were part of that championship team. Now they're back as seniors running the show, wanting the taste as the as it being their team. So you look at North Catholic, I mean Joey Prentice nearly is thirteen hundred yards passing on the season with twenty touchdowns. He's also run for over three hundred and fifty yards and seven scores. So talk about dual threat. Kyle Tivaninsky leads the team twenty four catches. Almost 500 yards, 18 touchdowns. He, I mean, he has 425 yards rushing. Jack Fennell had a big return last week. He enters this week, 480 yards on the ground to lead the team, 277 yards, 20 catches, receiving 13 touchdowns. Tyler Mazaras, he's a third receiver, he's a big play guy, averaging 28 and a half a catch. Liam Strawbridge is just about 27 yards a catch. You know, those guys respectfully have nine and seven touchdowns of the year. Chase Harrington. Is is one of the best defensive backs in Class 3A, and he's definitely up in the Whippy overalls. He's had a phenomenal year in coverage, you know, and he's been a lock. He's literally been a shutdown guy for them all year. Daniel Long had a nice um, quarterfinal win, and he's a good thing the front seven, but also a big guy to throw to. And then Ethan Marseko, a solid kicker. So you look at the Trojans, you say, oh, they should look at all these names do this. You're saying. Dang, they should be favored, no doubts. And and like I said, if we had a game, if we had a line on this game, they would be favored. You know, and it would be a question. But you just wonder, North Catholic, is can they finally get over the hurdle and get to the championship game? It's something that, that this senior class hasn't been able to do. The program hasn't done in a you know in a while. And you just wonder, is this year finally the year for them? Of course, like I said about Avor, these seniors. Two years ago, were a part of a championship team, and some of them did play. So they have that experience. And, and again, Kevin Felter is one of the big linemen for them who started for that team, and he's a great leader. So honestly, you know, you kind of take two different, you take two drastically different experiences. A senior class who has a ring, who's been to Hershey, but you know, versus a class who has tasted heartbreak. Not once, but twice, even maybe three times for someone. So you, you look at the dynamics and you say, you know, let's take a close look. I mean, on the year defensively, North Catholic allows 8.5, Avarts 9.5. Scoring the Trojans are just under 44 a game, Avarts under 33 a game. But, you keep, but again, you look at the conferences, both had crappy bottom halves of their conferences. You just kind of wonder, you know, and of course North Catholic pulled out of a KO last week. You know, the regular season they took care of their business. Of course, Avarth, other than such a rally blow, they took care of business every week. But you look at Avarth, some games to kind of look at as maybe a nice little litmus test. 
They beat KO 35 nothing to start October. They they lost 1916 stocks. They held the Vikings to six to 19 points, which is very impressive. And then they blew against Central Valley. So with all these things, North Catholic is more firepower on paper. They're probably the more exciting team. But I think the Lopes win this game. I think that the senior class is comparing them how Averworth, like I've said, has a ring. They know what it's like to win. And it really wasn't their fault they didn't make the playoffs a year ago. You know, going against a Trojan senior class who definitely has to be hungry and motivated after the recent heartbreaks. But they haven't got over the hump. I think in this matchup, when you look at similar similarities here, against Starhawks, against a solid Southside team, the Lopes defense sold the show. And even though Everworth lost to Starhawks, you know, they, I mean, they found, you know, the defense sold the show. And then against KO, they shut them out and they mercy rolled them. Or North Carolina had a shootout over KO and almost let it get away last week. And I think apparently, I think Averworth just that X-Factor is going to find a way to win this game. I do think it's going to be a game that ends up in the low mid-20s. And it's going to be a hard-fought game for four quarters. And now we go to the heavyweight 4A semifinals. This is what we got. Av West Mifflin, you have Bell Vernon hosting TJ in a huge next chapter of that rivalry. And then Alan Kanemak, you'll have an exciting matchup as Aliquippa takes on McKeesport. So let's talk about I mean let's talk about the both these heavyweight fights. Let's talk about Belvern and TJ. So of course, literally two months ago, which is crazy how time flies. But it was Devin Woodlock having his Heisman moment. Not one with two big touchdowns in the fourth quarter of that game as Belvern pulled out the win over TJ, which you know catapulted them to be undefeated conference champs in the one seed. Of course, TJ would later lose to McKeesport, but here they are back at the semifinals. It's the tenth year in a row TJ's in the semifinals. And they're trying to make a sixth straight title game appearance, which is absolutely insane. Trying to hold on to the 4A crown. As I want to say, they're going for a four-peat in 4A. You know, as of course, they're the two-time defending state champs as well. Of course, Belvern, only one title came in 1995. Trying to get that second one. As of course, these two men in the 2019 final, TJ dominated that game. As Belvern, I mean, when they went over TJ in the regular season, first time in four years they beat them. But you had a good, but we all had a good feeling these two would see each other again, and here they are. As both have had little to no issues getting here. So let's go right to the numbers. So for the Leopards, the X Factor, the star, best part of the field, difference maker, Devin Woodlock. Thrown for over 800 yards, 8 touchdowns. As actually, I apologize, that was not updated in the stats. So looking at that. Um, okay, sorry for that delay. Is it's not updated unfortunately. So Woodlock though, over 900 yards passing. He's got over a thousand rushing this year. You know he's totaled, you know 30 some touchdowns. Stars as a defensive back when he needed to. He's a dangerous return man. What's not to like? And then also, it's a two-man. I mean, it's a two-man running attack. Woodlock and his running makes star sophomore Quinton Martin, who's got over, who's got over, he's got close to 900 yards on the ground, 100 yards receiving, 15 touchdowns. He missed a little bit of time, but he's back, fully healthy, ready to roll. But then Jake Jedoko, 
If I butchered that, I apologize. Jake G, the other, the other talented sophomore for them, filled in for Martin when he had to. Over 500 yards rushing for him. Eight touchdowns. Again, so they, I mean, so again, they like to pound the rock. That's how they do it by spreading it out. And then Evan Polo, Chase, Chase Renekun are the two receivers. Tanner Steber makes some plays. Of course, Steber, Coleman, essentially the defense. Of course, of course, both these teams, powerful, good lines, which make it so much fun to watch. As both teams like to run the ball. Of course, the Jaguars, their leading guy on both sides has been quarterback, defensive back Joey Letsky, who's made some huge plays in these playoffs in both ways. Because he's got about over 1,500 total yards of offense, 19, I'm sorry, 31 touchdowns. Sean Solomon's his big player receiver, 27 grabs over 500 yards with six scores. Elias Lubnikoff has become the leading rusher, 854 yards, 13 touchdowns. Connor Marga leads the defense like Cole Wakeman does for Bell Arden, but Marga over 400 yards on the ground, five scores. Isaac Eckley plays alongside him. So does Donatelli. But basically, it's a matter of this. Both these teams like to run the ball. They they, they hate each other. They have really good stout defenses front to back. Um, Lesky's a senior quarterback. Woodlock's, you know, a four-year starter between Manessa and Belvernon in football over the field. Quinn and Martin's a starter. I do think this. Belvernon, you had the best two players on the field in Woodlock and Quinn and Martin. You won, the, you won the regular season. You found a way to win. TJ comes into this game as an underdog with all the motivation in the world. And, and Belvern, you feel pressure because you're undefeated. You're the one seed. And you know if you lose this game, everything you've done kind of just gets forgotten about. It's kind of just looked at as like, oh, that's nice. But, you know, so it's, it's kind of like your times now if you're ever going to get this done with another championship. And the fact that TJ's an underdog, you know that it hasn't churning and is pissed off to go to another level, which is never a good thing for the opposing team. You know, so you'll see, so I do think, and of course, TJ won the title game two years ago. They've had the upper hand outside the regular season loss. It's just a matter of, simple as this. Do Woodlock and Quinnamar take the game over and both have big-time plays and, and caliber moment after caliber moment, or can TJ limit one, if not both of them, slow down the game, control the rock, pound the rock, you know, and grind their way out. As I do think the key is Belvern and how they start the game. Do they come out jittery? Do they come out a little shaky? Or do they come out and play solid football? You know, and do as you look at both their quarterfinal wins, Belvern and, I mean, they were losing for a tiny bit against Newcastle until they, until they finally locked in and took over in the second quarter. And then from there, it was a wash. TJ was handed a 14-0 lead by Hampton, never looked back, won the game by 28 points. So I just think it's a matter of, if you're Belvern with the pressure is on you for sure, do you thrive in it, do you start strong, or do you have a mistake or something, give TJ an early lead that could put you in a hole that may be hard to get out of. And of course, Belvern was in a great spot last year, they lost in the semifinals in a high-scoring game. TJ, of course, went on to win the title. So it's just a matter of, what do we have is, I am going to pick Bell Vernon, which feels like it's an upset pick, you know it shouldn't be, but I think Bell Vernon finds a way to do the unthinkable, will be TJ twice in the same year. I just think Whitlock's the best player on the field, one of the best in the Whippeal. Quinn Martin's well on his way as well. I just think those two together will make enough plays, and they'll just do enough of it to win. It's going to be a surprisingly high-scoring game. And it is important to know really quick about the Bell Vernon-TJ game, as Waveman is banged up with a knee injury, so... 
I'm sure he's going to do everything he can to play, but of course, we'll be limited leading that defense. The other side of their TJ, a bigger, I mean, a huge injury too. Leading rusher, Lippincott, does have an ankle, so expect him to play, but just a matter of how close he's to 100%. So that could be a huge factor in the run game too. So I'm going to pick Bell Vernon with that. And now we go to the Quips Tigers and talk, I mean, talk about a matchup that's just filled with tradition, history, and just nitty-gritty physical football. I mean, what more can you ask for? I mean, you got the triple option of McKeesport going against, you know, more of a newfound spread attack that Mike Warfield has with Al Quippa. But, of course, it's the Crips. They got the biggest line of the Whitfield. This game's going to be a hard-fought, rough, and tough game. And coming into the year, look at these records. Al Quippa comes in with a nice 9-1 record. The only loss coming to Central Valley in a non-conference game. McKeesport comes in 9-2, and losing to Bell Vernon, which was an ugly loss from the end of the regular season. And they lost their team for New York earlier. So, and look at it, McKeesport scores 32.5, Alcoba has 44 a game. Quips give up 8.6, Tigers 16.2. But the, of course, Alcoba, they beat they beat a good beaver team, they beat a pesky Newcastle, and they blew them out. They took, and then they, you know, they had some tough challenges also, but they took care of their business. On the other side of McKeesport, you got by TJ, you fought off Laura Highlands. So, you know, both these teams coming in with good resumes, and also with the history, of course. Uh, and with all the history, because honestly, size-wise, there's a huge difference, so there was, you know. Um, so they've all, I mean, they have, I mean, I think it was since, like, somewhere in the 1950s, the last time they actually played in football, which is crazy. Of course, Aliquippa trying to make an unprecedented, out on the record, of a 14th straight Whippeal title game appearance, trying to get a sixth title in that span. Of course, McKeesport... It's been a little bit since they made the championship game. I think it was 2016 the last time they went at heartbreak. So they're trying to get back. But, of course, they've been in the mix all the way through. But talk about size. I mean, you have Jason McBride, Nico Hart, and Naquan Crowder for the Quips, piling the front. The other side, you have Tyree Demery, Colin Schrader carrying it. So, so you got some big boys that are going to get after it. And talk about the fun there. Um, yeah. So, okay, so, look at all the fun there. Is look at Al Quippa's offensive numbers. Quinn and Good, over 1,400 yards passing with 14 touchdowns. And he's had a great season. And it's been under the radar. He's had a great season for them. Sire Clark leads the team, 23 catches, 487 yards, you know, and 7 scores. Tajir Thornton, 18 grabs, averaging just about 21 yards a catch. He's got himself 6 touchdowns. And then you have Jamar Jeter, Donovan Walker, Brandon Banks, all game breakers. Donovan Walker has 6 interceptions on defense as well. And then, you know, Taqui Hayes has been a standout freshman, 1150 yards rushing. 14 touchdowns. John Tracy's added just about 450 yards on the ground with 12 scores. Quaylon Darby, you know, Nate Lindsay guys who speeds are also in the secondary. So the Quips absolutely loaded. And if you, you flip the page to McKeesport, you look at Caleb Reist, Jake Miller taking turns quarterbacking due to injuries, but both have been very effective. Of course, Reist also leads from his linebacker spot on defense, but really the, the triple option attack. Both quarterbacks, you know, have about two have about 250 yards rushing. 
you know, Reese seven touchdowns, Miller is three. Both have thrown the ball for, I mean, Reese there with 300 yards, three scores, Miller, 250 yards, two scores. But they ran the ball for the Tigers in the, in the wing tee. Bobby Boyd, Kenneth Thompson, Jamil Perriman, Keyshawn Humphreys, all four of them are capable, good ball carriers. This Boyd's had a phenomenal season. Over 1,400 yards on the ground, 14 touchdowns to lead the team. As they all, and they, but they all can break the game open. And then Dennis Jackson, averaging 21 yards a catch with five scores. Thompson also has done the most of the backs in the receiving game. So just, and of course, and then the Tiger defense, absolutely nothing to overlook. I mean, again, I mean, again, McKeesport against Belvernon, they had trouble giving up 46 points. Then they, and they held TJ to 20, but they won that game. Other than that, they've been great all year. Held Armstrong to 21 a week ago. So, I mean, you look at, I do think this is going to be a shootout. But for McKeesport, I do think it's kind of similar to the Belvernon game, where Aliquippa has more than enough guys on offense that can just beat you single-handedly and together they're very hard to stop. And then you add in what they can do with the lines and the defense. McKeith with the wing tee is great, and they're a really good deep team. So Aliquippa, they know what it takes to win games at this time of year. I mean, they do it every year. They know what it takes to get to the final. McKeithport, it's been a little bit, just a little bit for them to get back. And this group of seniors and upperclassmen has done a great job keeping the program and kind of getting it back to that you know, top-notch level after last year's playoff disappointment and after a rough season before that for their standards. This year they've had a great year. This is going to be a heck of a game. It's going to be a dogfight. This one's going to go four quarters. And also, this is the game I'm kind of most excited about, to be honest, because you have Aliquippa spreading it out, but Keith's going to ground it out the option. So I do think both teams... I'm going to say, I'm going to go on a limb and say, both teams break 30 points, and it comes down to the final possession, but I just think Aliquippa wins this game late. But it's also a thing where, from McKeesport... If you don't start strong, or if you or if you make a mistake to see the Quips an easy touchdown or something, and fall behind, and it's gonna be hard to catch back up, and they could be in trouble to catch back up, so they can't fall behind big early. But I do think Alcorn pulls out. It's gonna be a really good game late. Now let's move on to the Class Five semifinals, and again, two interesting, fun-filled matchups await us. As North Allegheny hosts Moon versus Penn Hills. And then Gateway hosts Penn Trafford versus Pine Ridgeland. So let's break down the Moon Penn Hills game first. Of course, Moon comes in undefeated. Allegheny Six Champs is the one seed undefeated. They give up 12.5 a game, a score just under 31, and what was the toughest conference in 5A, and arguably the whole Whippeal this year. And Moon, again, I mean, you're, you're not used to see, seeing Moon football, and I have success to be here, but it's, I mean, this is a team we've been on all year, and they've been great all season long. Is the Tiger defense absolutely phenomenal, led by Ben Bladel, Dylan Sleva, Don uh, Don Dokio and company, absolutely phenomenal. Coming in, of course, Moon, first time they've been this far since '03, trying to get to the final just for the second time, and they won the whole thing in the old AAA in 1998. So Moon, talking about of course, this senior class. Finally gets this far after coming so close two years ago and having a rough last year. So this year they've done it, but they still have more to accomplish. We'll see if they can do it. They have to go against a red-hot, house-money-carrying penalties team that is a sexy upset pick. He's looking at Moon's numbers. Has Tyler McGowan on the season. Thrown for just under 1,200 yards. Run for just about 250 He's gone himself 11 touchdowns. 
And the, it's been the moon ground in game that's been as Dylan Sleeve leads the team 710 yards with six scores. Jeremiah Dean's got 441 with eight touchdowns. Ian Foster, 438 with eight scores as well. And then Joe Collins got 243 rush yards. And then the Bladel boys combined for over 200 yards. Ben has seven touchdowns. His brother is one. Conan is two. Well, then receiving Tate Beach, he leads the team 37 catches, 472 yards. He's got six scores. Ben Bladel has 15 catches, 224 yards as well. And then Dean, Jalen Broxy do a little bit in the passing game for when they do pass, where they like to pound the rock. And this is just a physical football team that if you love the old school football, then yes, this is your team to jump on the bandwagon for. Of course, you have the Red Horn Indians. Penn and ben, Penn Hills, after a rough first half of the season, has caught fire as Penn Hills six straight wins to get to eight and three on the year. As they score twenty five a game, allow twenty and a half. But during the six game win streak, Penn Hills, what have they done? Had the crazy comeback against North Hills. They dominated Fox Chapel and shut them down. They dominated Shaler. They they routed Kiski. And then playoff ten they routed they blew up Franklin Regional and they found a way to jump out to a lead, overcome blowing it to then pull out a wild 23-21 in gateway to get to this point. Of course, Penhills, this team has grown, become so true as the season going on. As Julian Duggar becoming a rising star, just about 1,300 yards passing with 20 touchdowns in the air. He's also run for 620 yards and 11 more scores. His brother, Jaden Duggar, 32 catches, 522 yards, 13 touchdowns. Rayon, Rayon Strader, 18 grabs, 340 yards, four scores. Of course, they're they're a great duo in the secondary. Brendan Hills chipped in defensively as well. Chase Barney, five catches for 138. Um, he has like a touchdown or two, I think. And then Amir Keys had a great sophomore season, running for 744 yards, four touchdowns. He had the winning score last week. Amir Rollins has a little bit so. Jameer Brown, great the defensive side. So again, pals, a lot of talent, two-way players. And again, this team's playing great football at the right time. They're red hot, and here they are this far. So, I mean, in the case of Moon, in one way, it's kind of like a lot of people just been waiting for them to screw up and lose that game or kind of show that they're not as mighty as as they come off as on paper. But I've been on Moon since July, and Moon is the real deal. They are absolutely the real deal because Moon Tigers, they run the ball. They're physical. They defend brilliantly. They don't give up many rushing yards, making you one-dimensional. They don't turn the ball over. They have good special teams. And they just play sound, physical football, 48 minutes. Penn Hills, it's literally lightning in the bottle. There's times they look really good during the 16 one year they've turned it around. There's times where they have lapses, and they struggle. Because, again, they've had some blow wins with the games that have been close. You know, North Hills situation, they came back to pull one out late. Same thing with the gateway went last week. But both times... They let up in the middle of the game, and again, the offense went cold, defense couldn't get stops, and they fell behind. But again, the Duggar boys stepped up big to make plays late both times to pull out the victory and come on, and at the end of the day, a win's a win, especially in playoffs. It's a matter of Moon, if you can contain Amir Key and keep Duggar in the pocket and make him be one-dimensional and, and take away the penalty running game and force him to be a drop-back passing team, Yes, Jaden Duggar and Schrader have been huge the second half of the season. They've been great. 
but part of what makes Julian's game so effective is his ability to scramble and move around and add that threat. So if Moon takes it away, locks down defense like they have all year, you really love their chances to, to be able to take care of business. Of course, you're signed the Indian defense. They've definitely gone better, and they've been very solid. He has, you know, it has a moon also to run and run and run. And it's a matter of the, the Tigers, you kind of like, you know, when are they going to have to pass the ball? And, and my thing is, honestly, as long as Moon gets the lead and they do what they've done all year, they're not going to have to worry about passing. But McGowan, he's a three-year starter. He's had a good year throwing it. And again, they just because they don't have a lot of guys with the numbers doesn't mean they don't have playmakers. Because Ben Bladel, who's a star pass rusher, has been able to do things as a, as a as a halfback type on offense. I mean, Jeremiah Dean, you know, is just a good athlete that goes both ways for them. And then, of course, Tate Beach has had a really good year as a receiver. So I'm not worried about it. So at the end of the day, I think Pennells takes their own lead. I'm going to go on a limb and say Pennells has a lead at halftime. But I think in the second half, Moon with the run game wears them down, gets control. The defense makes the adjustments just now. And I think the Moon Tigers pull this game out and end up winning something like 30 to 17 but I think it's going to take I think it's going to take a full full course it's going to take Moon flipping the switch and flexing harder in the second half to pull and get it done but again this should be a really good game it don't be surprised if Pennells pulls the upset but I just think Moon just the way they play is going to find a way to make them one dimensional one limited but if anybody's going to do this and it's Pennells and if, and if you could Pennells, I think, would be a really good play to make a bet to win this whole thing, just the way they're playing football with house money. Now we go to Penn Trafford and Pine Richland. And Penn Trafford, Biggie's champs, you know, don't, don't they've done what we've expected them to do. But again, kind of the same thing like Moon, they're the two seed, and we're always kind of waiting for the usual, when are they going to screw it up? Because Penn Trafford, despite the success of the last decade, despite the success they've had, they've yet to win a title. And they've had a lot of heartbreaks, and they've had a lot of being the bridesmaid, but not yet the bride, as this year finally of the year. As of course, these two have some history. As this is the, as this is the third time since 2015 they met in the semifinals. As Penn Trafford beat the Rams in a wild 2015 game, then went on to lose in Hines. Of course, then a year ago, Pine Richland returned the favor with a blowout semifinal win around to winning. What well, was, I believe, their fourth title in the last six or seven years. Of course, Patterson trying to go back-to-back. Back. As, as the one thing is these two have in common is both teams have overcome early slash mid-season slumps. Of course, Penn Trevor had, had a pair of back-to-back -back bad losses in mid-September, but since they've done nothing but win with a couple of impressive victories they get here. Of course, Patterson had all the off-season drama, had the 0-3 start, they had the heartbreak, 13-7 loss to North Hills. But here they are, though. One went away from going back to Hines and having a chance in their championship despite all that, which gives nothing short of credit to the seniors and the leaders of that team to rally the troops. You know, so look at the team numbers. Penn Traffic is up just under 13 a game. Pirates is up just under 18. Of course, the Rams, 25.8. Penn Traffic scores 34 points a game. So looking at Penn Trafford closely, I mean, offensively, they pound the rock, and it's Wisconsin commit Cade Yacomelli and quarterback Carter Green do the job. As Yacomelli run for just under 1,300 yards, 19 touchdowns on the year. 
He also was the second team in 12 catches for 165 yards. Of course, Carter Green, just under 1,000 yards passing, 9 touchdowns. But he's been phenomenal as a runner with 916 yards and 14 scores. And receiving-wise, you have Liam Hallman and Tommy Cox and Jake Ottoman, Jack Jolly, Seth Allen, who have all pitched in. But again, they don't throw the ball much, so there's a whole lot of volume there. And then Ian demery has been a nice kind of third guy to get some carries in the back for them. And then, but again, um, Dylan, uh, Declan Osalewski, my apologies, powers the line. And this Warriors line, they're big, they're physical, and the defense is a strong, sturdy, deep unit. Flip to Pye Richland, you know, who has, again, done a great job turning it around. They, they did have a tough start to the season, too. As Cole Boyd lost for the with leg injury, so it's been Ryan Palmer, who's been, out, who's been outstanding, filling in at quarterback, throwing for over 700 yards with six scores. He's run for over 300 yards, and he's added five touchdowns. He's also been a leader in the secondary, and he's taken over some games at times, too, with his units. The Rams have a very good defense, too. Of course, the top two guys, Alex Gokies, Andrew Malice. Gokies, 38 grabs, just about 650 yards. He with two seven touchdowns. And then Malice, 25 catches, 375 yards, two scores. Um, and then Jeremiah Hasley, star in the defense in the front seven. Also chipped in 19 grabs, just under 250 yards, two scores. When then Brooks Eastburn, the offense goes as he goes, in my opinion, running for 700, 732 yards. Six touchdowns. Also a little bit of catching as well. But again, in my opinion, the Rams, they go as Eastburn goes in their running game. And it really, it's a matter of Eastburn and Palmer. Can they get the one-two punch running the ball? Opens up the opens up the outside, which will allow against this Warrior defense. Palmer to have more success trying to hit his two guys, Gokies and Mellis, as well as getting Hazley involved, who can make plays as a receiver he has the last couple of years. So you look at it and you say... You know, Pentrower likes to power the rock with Cade and Green. They really don't try to throw it. I do think the Warriors have the stronger, more physical defense, but the Rams are surely no slouch there. Offensively, I mean, it goes as Eastburn goes. They're going to need him to have a big day. But Palmieri gives him more of a running threat. And he's been good throwing the ball, but you wonder against this Warrior defense how it's going to play out again. And if they can't run the ball, they don't bust the big one, and it relies on Palmieri's arm. He has the playmakers that can go get it done. But it's a matter of the Warriors make it one-dimensional a little bit. How does that hurt? At the end of the day, you know, Pyrochlin had the upper hand last year. Pinchard's been the bridesmaid more than the times than not. But in a year where, you know, it's kind of been a little crazy in 5A without how many good teams we've had, I'm going to go Penn Trafford returning the favor with a semifinal win this year. I just think Penn Trafford... You know, you look at their schedule, they, the gateway's high-powered. They contained them, and they took away the run. They forced turnovers when they had to. Against Woody High, very similar story. You know, and at the end of the day, I just think the fact that, you know, Pirates and Palmieri's done a great job filling a quarterback, and again, they're a very good team, and they've dealt with a lot. I just think Penn Trafford has the better line. I think they're a little more physical on defense. And I just think Carter, Candy Akamele, I think is the best player on the field of this matchup. And he's also a star in the secondary. I need to, that needs added. Carter Green's come up with big plays all year long. And I just think that X factor is going kind to of play. I think both Yakamele and Green have a big touchdown runs throughout the game. I think Pentraver will pull away and grind it out late.
And of course, PR, they had to fight out of a hole last week. They, I mean, when they needed to, Palmieri made the big plays in the fourth quarter to get them to come back. The defense made a stop when it had to have it. But I just think Penn Travers is going to find a way to win. But of course, they were playing at Gateway Stadium and a good old Anna Maria Stadium. So you never know. Maybe it'll be a curse for them. But I do think Penn Travers wins this game because Yak, Million Green both take over and just do a little bit more. And then we say the biggest one for last this weekend is the Whippeal 6A Championship, Saturday night, 7 o'clock kick at Norman High School. Number one versus number two, as you have undefeated Quan County Conference champs for what it's worth, 11-0 Malibu, taking on the defending champs, 9-2 Central Catholic. So the championship Saturday night, what more can you ask for? Is thank goodness the Whippeal this year put this game on a Saturday night separate from the semifinal so we can enjoy everything and not have to pick and choose. Thank goodness. As of course if you can't make it, KDK will have the official broadcast. So let's break it down. As of course you have the history, Bob Bobby Palco, Terry Tonin going head to head in a title game. We finally get that. As Malibo, this group of seniors, third tries a charm, Palco's third year, break through the title game and they've been phenomenal. Again the Blue Devil defense has been great this year. You know, unsung, but it's been fantastic, allowing 9.6 a game. The offense scores 36.5. Well, on St. John Central Catholic, scoring just under 37 a game, giving up just under 14. As, as both teams have played 11 games, obviously, the Vikes have scored four more points, both over 400, which is crazy how close it is. Of course, regular season, they met October 9th. It was the crazy game. The rain forced it to be finished on a Saturday morning. But the Blue Devils won 35-14. And then really the the delay and all that didn't really change it or have any effect on the outcome as they just finished what they started pretty much. But honestly, that was a while ago. We're here now. So what do we have? So the Blue Devils looking at things. You know, they got here with a 28-17 semifinal over North Allegheny. Second half, there wasn't really any scoring as the Blue Devils even dominated when it had to. Joey Daniels got nicked up. He should be able to go... A Saturday night, and actually he is listed as a starter. He will go, and which is key. Is of course my eleven in the offense. It's been the big three, as Joey D, quarterback, leads the team over thirteen hundred yards passing, nineteen touchdowns. Um, he's had six scores, two hundred forty-five yards with his legs. Flip side, Alex Texca has. 1,552 yards rushing. He's added just about 100 receiving. He's got 18 touchdowns. Eli Heinrich, 18 touchdowns as well. He's going for 289 yards. He leads the team 35 catches, 836 yards. And these two, Heinrich and Tesco, phenomenal in the secondary and the defense as well. They're big play guys. And Heinrich in the return game too. And then again, we got Mike Beersdorf, second on team, 15 catches, averaging just over 11 a grab. So, he could be a guy, could be a sneaky playmaker for the Blue Devils as well. Um, you know, that's one thing. And again, Matt Lebanon, the defense, though, has, has been the greatest. Jack Smith leads the front seven. They got some good linemen. Um, you know, Grayson D's another guy that can make a play and be a game-breaker. For my lemon, they got to keep an eye on. You know, 
And I think for the Blue Devils, this every single week, the defense has been phenomenal. Again, last week when Joey D missed the second half, and it was N.A., and the offense was struggling, and they were playing more conservative, just kill-the-clock mode. The defense did not blink. It stood up, and it played phenomenal ball like it has all year. And you look at the defense. I mean, you have Grayson D., Owen Halter, Tommy Bonar, William Harvey powering the front seven. Jack Smith as well had a big semifinal you know, performance. He's back. So you talk about the front seven. And then, obviously, Tuska Heiderick anchored the middle of the secondary. And then on that line, Cooper Austin, Joey Peters, join Halter as the leaders there behind. It's going to be a powerful attack, like the big three it has been. But again, for Malami, you know what they can do. The defense has been great all year. You have guys that have stepped up in time. To Bobby P, is this his time where Palco Magic, you know, expects special teams to somehow play, do come up and be a factor. They're tied to work with a, some type of big return. They have a sneak onside kick or something. And it was their kicker, Noah Buta. Six fuels made 51 extra points. The kick could kick. So that's a key in this match, especially against a good Viking team that knows how to get things done and knows about special teams at Heinz. Of course, for the Vikings, since the loss to Mal Eminem, they've dominated winning four straight games and doing so with no pressure at all. And the offense has come to life with totals of 35, 49, 54, and 42 points, including a 42-21 semifinal over Seneca Valley to get here. As for the Vikings and their leaders, Payne Wayne, the sophomore, has had a great senior season. He's gone better as the year gone. And again, it's his growth that has really kind of been a huge X factor for this team offensively to really get to a much better level than what they started the year as. As he's thrown for just about 1,400 yards. I'm sorry, just about 1,400 yards, 17 touchdowns. And Wayner has had 75 yards, five scores on the ground. Gannon Crowers is an absolute animal, leads the team. 975 yards rushing, 13 scores. He also has 12 catches for 153 yards. He's also a good return man, a good cover guy. Um, Antonio Pitts adds just about 400 yards rushing with um, three scores. And then J.D. Younger, 200 yards on the ground with three scores. And he's also a beast in the secondary. And then the receiver-wise, Brand Jackson leads the team. 42 catches, 397 yards. Vernon Settles is 24 grabs, 268 yards. And then Pete Gonzalez, 16 grabs, 295 yards. Josh Allen, 14 for 170. As touchdown-wise, Altman is 4. Settles, Younger, both have 3. Gonzalez, Jackson, both have 2. But really, it's about the chain gang. That's what gets them the attention of the chain gang. Is again, doing its thing. Because Donovan Hennish... Matt Alessino, they power the three-man line. Younger does his thing actually in the linebacking core. I misspoke there. Anthony Speck is the star sophomore leading the way. Malachi Missouri has been nice at times. And then the secondary, beastly. Devin Barron's a bad boy leading it, but he's got a lot of help. Keith Cushenberry, the young freshman Xavier Thomas, and then the senior Bo Waddle, who've all been very good and have had their moments of shine this year, especially the last month. And, of course, you have Heinish power in the D-line, like I said, and then offensively, Alessino is the, and Jared Von Wilkins are the senior leaders there, Allman can chip in and block and plays tight end, so, I mean, you look at it, these teams, I think, are much more evenly matched what they were when they met in the regular season, I do think Central's offense has taken that next leap to really be better and be more diverse, 
Matt Shear as well kicking 42 PATs, 7 field goals. So it's very well set up. At the end of the day, I think this is I think this is literally flip a coin. It's just kind of like they're the defending champs. You know, they've been here many times before. I think they are to the two time defending champs. My apologies. Of course my eleven they finally break through is the moment is the moment too big and the lights too bright on the earth. Are they going to be able to be such a kind of twice a year? Because, I mean, it's hard to be the Vikings once in a twice in the same year. As of course, as Bill Chirpak has nine whipping titles, the most of anybody, Palco is eight, Ta- Terry Tawny is six, all at Central Catholic. So we'll see who could add one to their legacy. Um... You know, and breaking this down, I mean, these teams, I'm going to say this, Payne Wainer's gotten better every week. The Vikings offense looks better. And just adds, it seems like they add something new every single week. The chain gang is the real deal, obviously. And they're loaded with a bunch of swag and a bunch of playmakers. My Lemon's defense is solid. It's not sexy, but it's really, really good. Jack Smith's underrated, and he's a beastly pass rusher. And like I said, the duo of Heinrich and Texco in the secondary is dangerous. And they got some big boys in that line that can go toe-toe with the Vikings. You know, offensively, they had the big three that they have. It's just a matter of you have a three-year starter and a senior versus a sophomore who, you know, had the big injury in the title game a year ago, but his team pulled it out. And he's and he's just been phenomenal week by week this year, coming back and paying a winner. You just look at it as you know the coaching. There's legend. There's legendary status here. These teams will be ready to play. It's gonna be a good game. And I'm gonna say, unlike the regular season meeting, and unlike a lot of the games. This is going to be a low-scoring affair. I think the first team to hit 20 wins this game. I think it's going to be it's going to be beyond a physical game. I think both defenses finally get the spotlight for themselves, and they shine. And I think we see each team commit two turnovers. I think we see each team get at least two sacks. At the end of the day, Malamon and Wonderigos is being big. Bobby P is leading them. Central Catholic has never three-peated. And I think all being said, when you think Central Catholic is the underdog, when you have the extra chip on the shoulder, when they're humming at full cylinders and you're thinking, eh, they'll win because it's Central Catholic. I'm going to say Bobby P and the senior class of the Blue Devils will find a way to win this football game. It'll be, they'll have to grind it out. I think it'll be something like, like a 17-15 game. But I think the Blue Devils find a way to hold on and win late. But again, this is going to be a nitty-gritty game on a Saturday night. So I say Blue Devils and a low-scoring nail-biter. So those are the, that's our talk. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Wherever you're going this this weekend for the games, wherever you're watching, be safe, be smart, and enjoy it. Because that's what we live for. It's a time of year in the Whippy Ole. It's playoff time, winner, go home. Semifinals of the 6-8 championship. So good luck to everybody involved. And we'll, of course, check us out on the web, cover3athletics.worksite.com slash westpa. Cover 3 Athletics on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. As well as check out our brother blog, Brentera's World of Sports, which has player spotlights, interviews, featurettes, and more. As well as our anchor logo on the website for this podcast edition and any other ones. Hope you guys enjoy this. Enjoy the action. And we'll talk about this, you know, Sunday or Monday. And then, yeah, before we know it, it'll be Heinz Field time. So thank you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed. It'll be a great weekend of football. We'll talk next week.